You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again from OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered online and in iTunes because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you guys make smarter trades. Again, thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, we are going to be tackling the topic of should you buy back your penny options or just let them expire worthless? In fact, this is a conversation that I literally just had with a coaching client where we were looking at his account and we were doing screen sharing and we saw you know, that this, uh, I think it was an XBI position basically was practically worthless. It was like $5 of potential value. And I said, you know, you need to close this thing out. We're, you know, 15 days from expiration. There's no point. And he said, yeah, but it's so far away. So, you know, why don't I just let it expire worthless and back and forth we went. And so I want to dive a little bit deeper into this topic today on the, on the webinar. And then also just kind of, again, re-emphasize some of the the things that we learned in our profit matrix research, uh, which was really our biggest, you know, endeavor in options trading research with all these different strategies and uh, makeups of positions, when to exit, when to close, et cetera. The first thing that I'll tell you though, is I think generally as a course of business, we buy back many of our option contracts before they reach expiration. There's probably not a lot of contracts that we do, either single contracts or full spreads that we let go all the way until expiration and close. And it's, it's mainly because we have found over time that when you exit these positions early, when it's favorable, when the market makes a favorable move for your position, that it's better just to take the risk off. And the old saying of a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush really applies here in that if you have a profit and it's reaching some of your profit target levels, whatever they might end up being for a particular strategy, it's most of the time better to take the trade off and bank that profit and not let the stock turn all the way back around against you. We see this a lot if you actually pull up pretty much any stock chart. I mean, most stocks are are of the are I you know, like most stocks obviously move, but you pull up any stock chart. I'll pull up the one on SMH because we're gonna be talking about it in the closing belt today. But SMH back in June and July of this year traded and uh traded in a range between eighty and ninety dollars but pretty much ended June and July at the exact same level around $86. That's kind of crazy if you think about it. It traded in a range between $80 and $90 a share, but started and ended the two-month cycle at about $86. And what that tells me is that throughout all of that time, there were probably a lot of opportunities for option or for people who were trading bullish to make money. There was obviously an opportunity for somebody who was trading bearish to make money. And there was an opportunity for someone who was trading neutral to make money. And this is a concept I try to explain a lot on coaching and hopefully on strategy calls and now hopefully on this podcast. But this option or this idea that options mar- or stock markets are cyclical and security markets are cyclical. And so you have movement within a range. And yes, sometimes they can trend and kind of go funky, but generally things move within a range and they fluctuate up and down, they ebb and they flow. And when that happens, that gives you an opportunity to take money off the table if you're patient enough to wait for those moves. Now, I didn't tell you in SMH that the 
run up to the 90 price point happened early or later in that two month period. And frankly, it doesn't matter because as long as it happened, you had an opportunity to make money if you were an option buyer. I didn't tell you when the move down to 80 happened. Did it happen early in the two month cycle or later? It doesn't matter because if you're an option, if you were going uh, bearish on SMH and you were selling some options with a bearish strategy, you had an opportunity to make money at that point. You just might have had to wait longer. Maybe you didn't have to wait longer. Maybe it happened early in the cycle. But the idea here is that when things move your way and you have an opportunity to take money off the table, you probably should do it. Now, that doesn't mean that you take a $2 profit, right? Like, let's not blow this out of proportion. You still want to take a pretty decent profit target. And we've got guides and obviously our trade optimizer helps with that now, the software that we built as to when you take these profits off for particular strategies and different timelines. But when you have a pretty good profit and you've made some money, you probably should take money off the table. And I think that's the big overarching thing I want to get across in the first part of this podcast, because oftentimes what people do is they get really greedy and they wait all the way till expiration. They try to suck as much juice out of this as possible. But really, if you're squeezing 90% of the premium out of this, why do you need to hold it another 20 days or 30 days to make another $10, right? That's really what we see happening. In fact, this is what happened on the coaching session that I just had where you know the thing was worth like $5. The whole spread was worth $5. They made 200 bucks. You know, it's 10, 15 days between ex- now and expiration. So why? Why hold it another 15 days? I mean, anything can happen in 15 days in the market. Um, stocks can make huge moves in three days, let alone 15 days. So why take that risk that a sure thing turns all the way back around? Now, the question becomes, though, and this gets back to the topic of the podcast, is should I buy back penny options or do I let those expire worthless? Now, I consider penny options obviously be options that are worth about a penny or like, let's say, less than $5, something that's really low in premium. Do you buy those back or do you let those expire? I think if you have long contracts in those uh, option securities, so let's say we were doing an iron butterfly, we sold 100 strike calls and 100 strike puts, and then we bought 110 calls and 90 strike puts. If those 90 strike puts and those 110 strike calls, the further out long wings, if by the time that we exit the position, those option contracts are not worth a lot, I probably will not exit those positions. If they're worth a dollar or they're worth $2, I'm not going to spend the dollar in commission costs to close out the trade just to get it closed. I'll probably leave those long options on to expire worthless. I'll leave them on to expire in that scenario so that they act as little long lottery tickets in case the markets go really crazy between now and expiration. And while I don't assume that I'm going to make money on those by any stretch, they just are there as a good tail hedge for our portfolio, a hedge against some asystematic event that we don't see coming, some black swan event that we don't see coming. And we've got these long options out of the money that, again, are not worth a lot, but could be nice little lottery tickets. So in the case of trading options where we're selling spreads and we've got these long options that eventually decay to nothing, then we just generally will leave those on. Now, if there's value left in those, obviously we'll close them. If they're worth $10 a piece, we'll probably close those out, spend the dollar in commissions and you know net $9 a piece for those contracts. That's hopefully a given, but if it's not, hopefully that clears it up. Now, if you have long or short option contracts where you're selling, let's say, a strangle and you get closer to expiration and now the, each leg of the strangle is worth about a penny, it becomes a question of do you close out the position or do you just let it expire? I think if you're in the week of expiration 
inside the week of expiration, so the last four or five days of expiration, and your option contracts are far out of the money, far out of the money, I think you could probably let it go and expire if you want to. If you don't want to pay the commissions to close it, or if you've got a lot of contracts and you don't want to pay the commissions on a lot of contracts to close it, then you're probably okay. One surefire way to know if you should close the position or not, or maybe just to test the waters, is I've often told people on coaching if they're, let's say they're trading 20 strangles, they sold 20 calls, they sold 20 puts, try putting in an order to buy back just one contract on each side and see how fast that order gets filled. If that order does not get filled fast, it probably means that nobody's interested in that strike price level. And as an option seller, that's actually a good thing. You really don't want people to be interested in it. If there's no liquidity in those far out of the money options, it's probably reasonable to assume that those option contracts are not close to going in the money or have a very slim chance of going in the money. Because if they did have a good chance of going in the money, somebody would be gobbling those up even in the last couple of days of expiration. So it's kind of like throwing a, I mean, I don't fish. I use this analogy, not as a fisherman, but it's kind of like, I guess, throwing a lure in the water and see what the fish, you know, kind of bite on. So throw a contract out there, try to close it, obviously be aggressive in pricing, try to, you know, buy back for something cheaper than the mark. See if somebody is out there trying to gobble up these contracts, right? And then that gives you an idea of whether you should try to let them take your contracts for a dollar and close the position, absolutely reduce the risk, or if you should just let the thing expire worthless. I think ultimately what it ends up being is it ends up being a big, uh, I guess like creative or uh, I don't know if creative is the right word, but it ends up being a huge judgment call for you as to figuring out how far out of the money your contracts are. Your contracts are really far out of the money. Let's say they have less than a 5% chance of going in the money. And again, you can see all of this on your broker platform. You should be able to see what the exact probability of those contracts going in the money are. If it's less than 5%, okay, maybe you can let the contracts expire worthless if you want to. Anything over than that, and it, you know it's starting to decay in value, there's just not much premium left there to get. It's okay, and it's probably the better decision to actually close out of the position's Um, and remove the risk. And that's in our opinion. Now, just to kind of wrap up this, I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, what we found in our uh, profit matrix research, which again, you can find the show that we did on the profit matrix. When you go back to, I believe it was uh, show number 100, uh, where we talked about the profit matrix report. So optionalpha.com slash show 100 is the show notes for that. But what we found in our profit matrix report and what I've tried to be trying to tell people about more and more is this concept of holding positions just a little bit longer than usual. We definitely confirmed in our report and our research that when you close out of, let's say, an iron condor at a 50% profit target. So if you sold a con uh, sold an iron condor for $100, you'd buy back when the net value of that iron condor dropped to $50. So you take 50% of your money off the table. We definitely confirm that that is one of the best ways to increase win rates, obviously generates positive expected returns. You have much lower drawdowns in that scenario because you're not holding the position and letting the market go against you. But what we also found is that in those scenarios, we have slightly lower total returns at the end of, say, a 10-year trading period. And so in our research, when we basically back tested a lot of strategies and let them go all the way to expiration, 
what we found is that most trades that went all the way to expiration ended up generating the bulk of the potential returns. Now, this is not in every market scenario. So what I don't want people to do is use this podcast and say, Kirk, you said go and trade everything to expiration. I'm saying the bulk of trades that we tested, when you let them go all the way to expiration, they generated some of the highest returns. And again, it depends on the market scenario and the strategy that you use. But the trade-off that you have when you trade those types of strategies and let the stock go all the way to expiration or let the contracts go all the way to expiration, what you gave up, because there's no free lunch in the market, what you gave up was you gave up your win rate and you gave up your drawdowns. And so what we see when we were able to graph two different portfolios side by side, one where you're closing trades early at say 50% profit target and the other where you're letting them go all the way to expiration, win, lose, or draw is that the one at a 50% profit target ended up having a very stable, very nice looking portfolio curve, right? Not too much volatility because you're not holding on to things that much. You also don't see too many uh, rises in it. It's just a nice steady portfolio curve, right? A very consistent growth metric that was used. When you overlaid on top of that, the graph of a strategy that was sent all the way to expiration, you had a much more erratic portfolio curve, meaning you had a couple you know, big spikes and then big drawdowns and then big spikes and then big drawdowns because it's literally win or lose all the way right at expiration. You either collected the entire premium and your options expired worthless or you finished in the money and we had to basically calculate how much money you lost after collecting all that premium. So it was very much a you know total win or total lose type scenario. And that created portfolio curves that were very erratic. Now, at the end of the day, most of those portfolio curves ended higher than closing out at, say, 50% profit target, right? But along the way, you had many more ebbs and flows and much more volatility in your account. And what we're talking about here is in some cases, the first portfolio where you're closing at 50% may have had a drawdown of say 20, 25% over the course of a period. If you let it go to expiration, you could have seen drawdowns of 40, 45, in some cases 50 or 60%. And I truly don't think that many people would be willing or have the stomach, the guts to trade through that type of scenario and keep going. In fact, I probably know for sure because we see this all the time where people just get into a rut or drawdown and they just don't have the um, they don't have the confidence or the patience to keep trading that strategy. Even though they know that they could win out at the end of the day, they just don't have enough confidence to trade through a 40% drawdown or a 50% drawdown. And so I think that's the real downside to really totally going all in on this, letting everything go to expiration. Because even though those strategies ended up on average or the bulk of those strategies end up generating higher returns, you had a lot of pain in the process to get there, if that makes sense. And so what we've started doing here at Option Alpha is, and this is, I guess, evident with our Pro and Elite members because they see the trades coming out. But what we've started doing is we've started holding trades just a little bit longer than some of our traditional profit targets that we've used before in the past. And we do this obviously based on what we find in the Trade Optimizer because we use the Trade Optimizer to set up all of our trades now. And so if we see that, you know, maybe the best scenario is to hold this thing, you know, to 50% versus 25%, or 75% versus 50%. We're trying to hold these trades much uh, a little bit longer than usual and trying to figure out if there's some sort of in-between benchmark that we uh, can find between you know a nice steady portfolio curve, but also not 
totally discounting the fact that we want to generate more return from the trades that we're doing. I think it's been obviously challenging in the sense that we have to helpfully convert and help educate people like we're trying to do on this podcast and, and to understand the different the differences between these two portfolios and and why we're trying to maybe you know split the difference here and do something in the middle. But at the same time, it, it does make logical sense why we're doing this now, why we, you know, both, a little bit of both I think is good. So a little bit of uh, early profit-taking medicine and a little bit of letting things kind of mature and develop and run a little bit further. I think both of these medicines are really good for the portfolio and and have been working out really well. We've actually uh, just recently taken off some trades that uh, we held a little bit longer towards like that 70, 75% threshold. The last thing I'll say there though is that we won't be sticklers in taking trades off if we have early profits. So one like caveat to this is that if you reach, let's say you make a trade and it's 60 days out and 10 days into that trade, you reach a 50% profit target, you take the trade off, right? Like there hopefully should be no discrepancy there in do you take it off or not? You made 50% of your potential profit in the first 10 days. It's just not worth holding for another 50 days to make another 25% possibly or have the stock turn around against you. So Again, if you make early, early profits in the expiration cycle, it's probably worth taking off at that point and not holding too much longer. What we're talking about is more of the trades that go you know, into the deeper times of expiration. So if we make a trade 40 days, we're talking at about 30, you know, 35 days. Do we hold or do we you know, take it off early? Now we're starting to hold just a little bit longer, but we're still not letting things go all the way to expiration. So hopefully this conversation helped. I know it was a a topic that I get a lot of questions on. And so hopefully this podcast is one that, again, just maybe shed some light on, you know, just different little nuances that you could have with your trading and obviously uh, trying to help you guys understand um, a little bit better about how we're trading on our end. And now our favorite part of the show, Trader Q&A, where we ask a question from one of our current members about options trading. Got a question you'd like to ask Kirk to answer live on the air? Just head on over to optionalpha.com forward slash ask and hit the record button to leave a message. That's optionalpha.com forward slash ask. And now here's today's question. Hey, Kirk, this is Mo. We spoke a little bit via email. I just wanted to thank you again for everything you do for the option community. We all really appreciate it. So my question is, what do we do if we want to take maybe a little bit less risk and go out to the 10 and the 15 deltas? So the probability of success is around 90%. Now, the problem I'm facing is the bid and the ask are extremely wide at these levels. And this is no matter how liquid the options are, whether it be Amazon, NVIDIA, Facebook, Netflix, they all have extremely wide bid and ask spreads when you go 30 to 45 days out. Currently, I'm running a 75-70 put credit spread on NVIDIA because it's in the 50 to 70 IV rank level. And though these puts are gaining value, I actually can't sell it for a profit because the bid and the asks on on both the 70 and the 75 are extremely wide. So how would you go about maybe going further out the money and having less risk and having a greater probability of success, but facing these wider bid and ask spreads? Thanks, Kirk. All right. Hey, Mo, thank you so much for the kind words as always and for the question. Um, so just as a recap, I guess the question is really, you know, like what do you do with these further out of the money options uh, that conceivably have less risk? And you said less risk, but I'll maybe just offer my insight on that, uh, selling these 10 or 15 deltas. I think maybe just to clarify, I think what you're saying is just uh, for those of you who are listening, what Mo I think was saying was that we're selling the 10 or 15 deltas in total. So we might sell a five delta call, a five delta put, 
that gives us 10 total deltas and maybe maybe about a 90% chance of success. So options that are really, really far out. I think when we talk about less risk in these contracts, I don't think that they necessarily have less risk. It's just that the risk doesn't present itself that often. And so you don't get compensated for that risk. Um, and so it's not that the market has any less risk or more risk for contracts. It's just the uh, difference between how much you're getting paid on an option contract to sell it and what the probability of failure on that contract is. Obviously, the more, the higher the probability of failure for that contract that it goes in the money, the more money you're going to collect upfront because you're taking on more of the market risk. When you start uh, shifting market risk and you sell options really far out of the money, it's not that the market can't move there. It's just that it has a lower probability of doing it. Therefore, you collect less money. What we have seen, and we've done a podcast on this, so I don't can't find it right now, but what we have seen is that you know when we do analysis of different delta levels, what we do find is that around the 20 to 15 delta on each side ends up being a, a really good level for selling premium. Um, and it just becomes this factor where you go too far out in your option strike selection and you have diminishing returns. Uh, actually, I just pulled up the show. It's show number 102, which is called, Are You Selling Options Way Too Cheap? So if you have that question or want to learn a little bit more about it, you can go to that show. But we looked at some SPY September calls and we basically took the analysis of the option uh, premium at different delta levels and how much margin was required. And again, once you you know start getting past that, say like 20 to 15 delta range and start selling options really far out, um, it just has diminishing returns on an exponential curve uh, that it doesn't make sense. Now, what you brought up, Mo, was really interesting. And that's another indicator that we already talked about earlier in the show. And that is if they have really wide bid ask spreads and nobody wants to trade them, it's probably because they're just not worth anything even still. So even though the market may have moved, you really have to entice somebody to trade a contract that far out. So in the case where you maybe have bought an option or sold an option, for somebody to be willing to take the other side of that trade as far out as that contract is on either end, uh, they have to be enticed to do so. And that's why you see bid ask spreads become so wide because you have to entice somebody to go out there and and make that trade and and maybe make a couple dollars. They're not going to do it. Like I would think, you know, for people selling a home or something like that, to use another analogy, like if I can make a dollar selling my home, that's not really an incentive for me to sell. So I'm not really going to be aggressive. I'm not going to be, you know, willing to make a move. There's going to be no interest, right? Like no open interest from my end if I can only make a dollar. But if I can make $100,000 selling my home, well, yeah, now I've got more interest and maybe, you know, lots of people have more interest. So that's where you see that wide bid ask spread come into place because frankly, just people don't want to trade contracts out there. Um, that's also one of the reasons why we don't trade out there. I think there's a good trade off uh, when you, come in just a little bit closer, take on a higher probability of losing slightly, right? So go from a 90% win rate potentially to a 70 or 75% win rate. It's still a real high probability of success, but your ability to get compensated and collect income at that level is so much better than at 90%. Um, And I think ultimately it'll serve you much better to do so. So even though Everyone wants to go, you know, 90, 95% probability of success. There's really 
just not a lot of money to be made at those further, further out strikes. So hopefully this helps out. As always, if you guys want to get your question answered here on the podcast or live on Facebook and Periscope, please head on over to optionalpha.com slash ask. Click the big red button in the middle of the screen and leave me a private voicemail. Again, there's no software to download or install, and it's incredibly easy. And we are also using all of the questions that are submitted for our daily podcast, which goes right alongside of our weekly podcast here. Again, the daily call you can find in iTunes if you just search Option Alpha Daily Call. Now, before we get into the closing bell segment, again, I want to let you guys know about our special podcast freebie. We haven't talked about this in a while, but if you haven't already, please go ahead and download our ultimate option strategy guide. It's more than 92 pages of step-by-step walking you through how to set up strategies, how to look at the markets, how to look up, uh, look at implied volatility, and then how to choose the right strategy that kind of fits into that box. Again, it's completely free and you can get it by going to optionalpha.com slash ebook or actually by texting in the word strategies. That's just one word, S-T-R-A-T-E-G-I-E-S, strategies, to the short code 44222. So you can just text in the word right now from your mobile phone, strategies to 44222, and get a copy of that ebook for free. Now, the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. All right, so in today's closing bell segment, I want to talk about a new trade that we're getting into here in our good old friend SMH. Um, SMH is a semiconductor ETF. Um, It's been one that has, uh, I guess, proven the point. We talked about it earlier in the show about just how much it moves. Uh, But this one is one that had had a huge run. I mean, just absolutely huge run from basically August through the first part of uh, December. But just in the last couple days, call it about the last week, is basically retraced about two months worth of potential profits um, in a couple days. I mean, it's just uh, had a really, really big down move from a high around 106, now down to around 97. It again just shows you how quickly markets can turn and how quickly things can uh, renormalize, I guess. But at least at this level, it looks like it may be gaining some support. So what we're going to try to do here is sell a nice wide strangle around SMH, selling at this 15 deltas on each side. That's what our profit or our trade optimizer uh, suggested doing. Uh, that gives us a probability of success, a little bit over 70%, about 72%. And we're selling the January options, which are 51 days out, the 107 calls and the 92 puts. That gives us a really nice wide range around SMH here. Uh, and again, with the stock trading around 98 or so, uh, it's pretty balanced, pretty neutral. Implied volatility is super high in SMH right now around the 80th rank. So this is why we're just doing this naked. If it was lower volatility, we might do something like an iron butterfly or credit spread. Uh, but right now we can't afford to be a little bit more aggressive here and sell some strangles. And this is really what we've been doing generally in SMH uh, pretty much for the last couple of months uh, and all years, just selling a bunch of strangles and SMH, which has worked out pretty well um, and just continuing to ladder into new positions. So again, we're selling the 107 calls, selling the 92 puts. If you're doing this as an iron condor trader, you'd probably look to purchase the 111 calls and purchase the 88 puts and that create a risk defined position. Obviously, by purchasing those contracts, you reduce the credit that you take in. Uh, but at the same time, you're cutting off some risk. So you don't have to carry a lot of margin to hold this position. So I think it'll work out pretty well. Well, this is our first one that we're going to get into here for January. We'll start laddering into more positions in January just based on SMH's movement and just see what we get. Thanks. 
for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, so I truly hope you enjoyed today's show. And as always, got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter, more profitable trader and investor. As always, you can get additional resources, links mentioned in the show, and some related video training from today's show by going to optionalpha.com slash show 111. That's just the number 111, optionalpha.com slash show 111. Until next time, happy trading.